0: friends. This is Bridget Morawski, and I'm the host of My Best Vintage Life. I thought the best way to begin my bi-weekly series would be to tell you a little bit about myself and why I'm starting a podcast about vintage. But before I begin, I wanted to thank my friend Preston Johnson for giving me some solid advice about starting a podcast. I was recently featured on a podcast that he hosts with Rahman Mahmood called I Love You Man, which focuses on Fresno and all of its local talent. Before we recorded, Preston took the time to discuss podcasting with me and everything that goes into it, so Preston, thank you. I really, really appreciate it. Um, For those of you that listened to the episode they featured me on, I'll try not to be too repetitive here. I don't want to bore you, and I did talk about my past a little bit with them, but I think I'm going to go a little bit more in depth with you guys right now. (laughs) hope you're ready. So, to start, I think I'd like to tell you a little bit more about where I'm from. So, I was originally born, well, I guess not originally. I was born <laughs> in Pennsylvania, um as if I could be born in two different places. But it's uh it's a tiny little town called Mount Carmel. And right now, sadly, it's become a pretty depressed place in terms of socioeconomics. But growing up, it was it was a safe place to be. And, you know, I was blessed to have that in my childhood. So when I I graduated high school, I decided to attend a state university in Westchester, Pennsylvania. And it was a pretty drastic change from where I grew up, but I thought it was really good for me. A um, A lot of my peers went to a school that was kind of like our 13th grade, which was about like half an hour from where I grew up. And I decided not to do that. I thought it would be better for me and help me grow more if I was further away and couldn't run home as easily. So in the end, it, it definitely was better for me. And if that town, uh, Westchester, seems familiar to you, it's probably because it's been featured on Jackass many times, MTV's old show, Jackass. And it's also the hometown of Bam Margera, who also had his own TV show and was a pretty famous skateboarder at one point in time. Um So just a little cultural fun fact for you. And I spent four years there studying Spanish education and I even minored in Italian. Uh, I had to take another language because I was a language major and decided Italian would probably be the easiest, but just so you know, Italian is not the easiest language to learn. Knowing Spanish does help, that's for sure, with vocabulary, but it's a pretty tough language, so don't ever let anyone tell you it's easy. Um, You know, and a lot of people ask me, well, why Spanish? And to be honest, it came very easily to me and I enjoyed it. I grew up in a house hearing my mom speak Slovak. Um, A lot of her family was from Slovakia and also Lithuania. And my dad spoke Polish, his family being Polish, um, Slovakian as well, and also Austrian slash Hungarian. So I'm quite the Eastern European mutt, but I do think that the language learning skills are in my genes. And I really I love the idea of teaching uh, because I wanted to help other people. So it just all kind of fell into place for me and, and made sense at the time. So after college, I did end up pursuing a career in education, but it didn't last as long as I had hoped. I was placed in a really incredible school for my student teaching and I ended up actually staying there as a long-term sub but sadly at the end of the year um, education had been hit pretty hard by the state in terms of budget cuts and it didn't really allow for me to return the next year because I was kind of you know the new girl and that's usually the person who ends up paying the price in those situations so my dreams of being Mr. Feeney with my students were crushed. And if, if you don't get that reference, that's okay. Um, I'm 30 and I feel like anyone who's close to my age probably will. But if you're in the younger 20s, you might not. I don't know. I know they made like a Boy Meets World reboot, I think. I don't know. Maybe he was on it. Maybe he wasn't. He has to be pretty old by now. So anyways, I was not going to be Mr. Feeney for those kids. I found a new job at a school in Delaware, and I went into it very naively. The school had a pretty atrocious reputation, and a lot of people told me that, but I was just so desperate to teach that I I don't think I really cared. And unfortunately, I quit after two months. And to this day, it's not something that I'm embarrassed about. It was one of my very first acts of self-care that I can remember. I mean, I think we commit self-care our entire lives but that was a pretty big one for me and you know i never held it against the kids um despite how terrible some of them were because and this goes for a lot of different facets of life like everything starts at home and i think a lot of those kids had the issues that they did because they didn't have a strong structure at home probably from the time they were born which is really sad so the same year that school's principal actually got fired Which I know like is gonna sound terrible, but it kind of made me feel better because I was like, okay, I did make the right decision. Um, And then five years later, in 2016, um, two female students, actually one female student, killed another female student in the bathroom. So that was quite the eye opener, and it did make national news. And I, you know, I say this from the bottom of my heart, I really hope that things did get better there but I never regretted walking away from the very early age I love fashion I just think it took years of personal retrospection to realize that and when I walked away from teaching I thought maybe this is the right time to pursue that while I'm starting fresh and I'm still young not that I'm not young now but I was really young then I didn't know how to sew, and I didn't really have the desire to learn, so designing was out of the question, but I really loved putting outfits together, so I thought maybe styling could work for me. I decided to take an online course, and then I did an in-person course in New York City, and then I started my own side business. I don't like sugarcoating. I hate when people sugarcoat stuff with me, so I don't want you guys to think that's all I was doing to make money. Um, I really had to hustle and work other side jobs to pay the bills. I left school with over $35,000 in student loan debt. And at that point in time, my mom had passed away from ovarian cancer and my dad didn't have the money to support me. So I had to figure it out on my own. And I have to say, I'm pretty thankful for that. It kind of helped me become more of an independent person. And you know what? I mean, if you have the type of parents that can help you, still help you, whatever, that's fine. I'm not judging you. I'm just glad that I had to be a little bit more independent because I think it helped me to be more responsible with money and just kind of live my own life on my own terms. So that was a good thing to me. Um, But, you know, being completely transparent, I grew up really poor. So getting a college degree to me seemed like the solution to everything when I think a lot of people think that. Um, and a lot of people ask me, oh, well, do you regret having all those loans and getting the degree and, and you know, now that you don't use it? But I never, ever would regret getting my degree. I, I mean, I took so much away from my short time as a teacher, specifically patience with people. Um, and, and I use my Spanish every day. So I definitely don't have any regrets there. Okay, I got a little off track. So I started my styling business and I was having a lot of fun with it. Um, I met a lot of interesting people, and I was able to help them feel better, which was a really nice feeling for me. So I guess one of the cool experiences um, I had with my personal styling business, so you have to keep in mind, I was doing personal styling, so that's on a personal level, working with people one-on-one, and these were just like regular, everyday people. They weren't celebrities or notable people or anything like that. But one of the coolest experiences I had was doing a closet clean out um, at this girl's parents' mansion in Delaware. Uh, you have to keep in mind the town I lived in after I graduated college, up until I moved to California, was like five minutes from Delaware. All the states on the East Coast are very close to each other, so it's not really that hard to get from one to the other in a short amount of time, depending on where you live. So. The town where I was living, Kennett Square, shout out to Kennett Square, it's a great place if you're ever in Pennsylvania to visit, Um, was very close to the Delaware border. So anyways, this girl's bedroom was probably half the size of my current house, just her bedroom alone, which was like its own suite, and her closet was probably the size of my actual bedroom. And man, she had a ton of clothes and just shit in general. (laughs) Um, it was a beautiful. I mean, I can't. You can't even say it was a walk-in closet. It was its own, like beautiful, well-developed closet room. It was. It was great. It was a dressing room, basically. So, if you've watched the home makeover shows on TV, I can't really think of any of their names. I haven't had cable since two thousand and nine, so forgive me for not knowing their names, but. You see the ones where, like, the hosts are yelling at the people to get rid of stuff and the people don't want to get rid of it. Well, that was me. I was the host just kind of being frustrated with this girl who's being super, super difficult. And, I mean, the crap she wanted to keep was just hideous, and I couldn't figure out her thought process behind it. Now, granted, we all have those moments where something has sentimental value to us, but some of the stuff was just so – its just terrible. I can't even. But anyways – I walked out of her house with probably, like, eight huge, like, those big, like, black trash bags with stuff to donate because I would do that for the people. That was, like, part of the job was they'd pay me to do the cleaning and the organizing, and then I'd also take everything away with me. Um, And despite doing that, her closet still was full, so – I just think that's such a funny story and it, it reminded me of those like old reality shows. Well, I don't know, maybe they still exist, but anyways. Um one of the other things I got to do in in my styling career was some fun commercial projects, more on a commercial level. I was the head stylist for the Dockers Wear the Pants campaign in Philly, so I basically stood in an Airstream all day, and I got to help people pick out outfits to go with the pants that they had been given. So the pants were free if you took a selfie and posted it to your Facebook. So as you can imagine, people love free stuff. We all know that. The line was massive. And this was, like, downtown Philly. There were people everywhere. And my claustrophobia, which is pretty bad, was, like, at an all-time high because I'm cramped in this trailer with all these people. So the guys working security weren't exactly the sharpest pencils in the pouch, if you know what I mean. And they were allowing homeless people in, uh, which got super awkward because some of them started grabbing pants like they were looting and just, like, running out of the trailer. (laughs) I mean, I couldn't make this stuff up if I tried. So the guy who was co-hosting the event with me was – I'm not going to say his name or what magazine he works for, but he's editor-in-chief of a very well-known men's fashion magazine. Um, And, of course, he's being interviewed out on the street by the local Philly News, and I'm, like, in the airstream trying to manage the the pillaging that's going on of these pants. So that's just, like, my little anecdote for you about how fashion works. You know, you have to start somewhere – And sometimes that means mediating homeless people and and hipsters at the same time. (laughs) So I could tell you pretty much every odd job I did between then and my start at Urban Outfitters, but I don't want to bore you. I just wanted to say eventually I needed to, you know, find a job that would support me and that was fashion-based and was full-time instead of doing all these little odd jobs uh, to help, you know, pay the bills. So the job posting that I had found for Urban Outfitters was for an assistant buyer for Urban Renewal, which is the vintage part of the brand. And honestly, it seemed like it was made for me. I had applied for probably close to like, I don't know, maybe eight to 10 other positions there in the years prior. And I think I was doing it mostly for the sake of working there. None of the jobs really interested me that much. But this one actually did. I was excited about it. So I met all the requirements and I I felt pretty good going into my interviews to be honest and it was the longest interview of my life i had to meet with multiple people i had to do a project um it was this like unseasonably warm fall day in pennsylvania and i was sweaty as fuck like it was the worst but you know what i got the job i was on cloud nine i think i beat out maybe one or two internal candidates to get the job which was also kind of crazy um but i was just so happy and so proud of myself and it was it was kind of a surreal moment for me because i went from working these small little jobs to working for this you know billion dollar corporation so it was definitely a cool moment and i started there on october 21st 2013 so it actually would have been my 5 year anniversary just a few Well, not a few days. Yeah, I guess you'd say a few days ago, but um, I don't know. It's crazy. It feels like forever, but it was the start of kind of like the rest of my life, to be honest. So I don't want to go into super fine detail about my experience at Urban, but I want you to know that I did learn a lot from it, both good and bad. For two and a half years, I spent uh let's see two plus sometimes three four hours a day commuting back and forth to work and that alone was so physically and mentally draining if you don't have to have a long commute try not to it takes its toll that's for sure especially especially if you're doing it for a very long time um you know and I would do the math and see how many hours I spent driving every day but I think it would probably be pretty depressing And you know what? I also worked very long hours, which was expected of you. And it seems to be the norm in just about every part of the fashion industry these days. And I think a combination of those two things and some other things, I just, I knew early on that that life wasn't for me forever. I was passionate about vintage and I wanted it to be my life's work, but I didn't want to give up other aspects of my life for it. I didn't, want to give up friendships or the relationship that I was in at the time. So I think for me I kind of had like a a moment of self-reflection early on that kind of guided me the rest of my time there and just in the back of my mind I knew this is a great stepping stone but it's it's not forever. You know, and I never I never saw anything that happened on that job as an emergency. And to me, it was just clothes. And at the end of the day, whoever or whatever you went home to was way more important than that, whether it was a spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, roommate, best friend, dog, cat, lizard, snake. I mean, I didn't, I, you know, I'm going off on a tangent, but all those things just seemed so much more important to me than getting agitated over something as, as silly as clothes. So on the positive side, I did get to travel a lot for my job and that was an exciting part of of the job itself. So my my position there brought me to California for the first time in 2014. And I have to say the moment I walked out of LAX, I I knew that I couldn't go through life and not live in California. But in the back of my mind I was like, but how would I do that? How would someone who spent her entire life in Pennsylvania relocate to the opposite coast and and adjust accordingly? So I knew it wasn't the right time at that moment, but I patiently waited until I got that good old guts, gut instinct, um, you know, that told me it was. So, you know, flash forward to 2016 and that time finally came and I was ready to take that leap of faith, but I was so scared. I was so, so, so scared. Not only was I walking away from a job, um, you know, where I had security and a paycheck, but I was also walking away from a relationship of seven and a half years, and I knew ripping off both of those band-aids would hurt. But I thought maybe doing both of them at once would be easier. So, I and I won't lie, I did have kind of like an oh shit moment <laughs> after after I did both of those things. But that's when my my current bosses Art and Raffi came to the rescue and offered me a job that I couldn't refuse. So Art and Rafi Canyon were vendors of mine at Urban Outfitters and, in all honesty, my favorites. I think I liked them so much because they were down to earth and they gave a shit about me as a person. I wasn't just a paycheck for them. And I think I knew the offer was always there to come work for them, um, you know, when the time was right. And then finally it all kind of came together and it was that right time. So in the summer of 2016, I, I left my job at Urban. At that point in time, I had been promoted to an associate buyer. And I moved to Fresno, California, where I am now. And I became the creative director for Baz Brothers Unlimited, which is Art and Rafi's business. And I, I really want you guys to know that I still look back at what I did that summer, and I tell myself what a badass I was. <laughs> um, because that was not a chain of events for the weak-hearted, that's for sure. And I, I really hope if you're listening to this that what I did inspires you in some way to take a leap to, uh, you know, be a badass with me. I'm not saying you need to move across the country, um, but if that's what you want to do, do it. You know, don't be scared. Take that leap of faith. Make it work for you. So now it's 2018 and my life has changed so much. I still feel so new in Fresno, and I'm still adjusting to life in California, and I think that will be the case for a few more years to come, and that's okay. I really, really love what I do, and I'm so blessed to wake up every day and be surrounded by my passion. Our Fresno and LA warehouses are filled with vintage treasures, and I'm just I'm so lucky to work in an environment like that every day. A lot of people ask me if we have a store, and my answer is no. We sell at a wholesale level, so we sell business to business, and we don't plan to change that anytime soon. I 100% do not work the job of a normal creative director, and I'm okay with that. You know, while my office has temperature control, I spend a lot of time in the warehouse sweating my ass off in the summer and feeling pretty cold in the winter as well. Um, you know, so it's not a glamorous job, and I knew it wouldn't be. I just think a lot of people look at me and think, "Oh, that girl's a prissy bitch." But I really, I'm not. I found just about everything under the sun while digging through vintage, from dead mice, dead bugs, used tampons—you name it—and it's disgusting. It can be really gross at times. So at the end of the day, I do provide creative direction. I'm just not. Usually doing it dressed to the nines and sitting on my butt like most creative directors do. I mean, that's totally fine. I think that actually sounds amazing. I'd love to be sitting in an office a lot more than I do and be able to dress a little bit nicer for for work sometimes. But that's just how it is with vintage. That's the life you end up living. So I've accepted it at this point in time. So why start a podcast about vintage? Well to be honest, there really aren't any out there. There are some really, really great fashion podcasts that focus on that subject from time to time, but there's none that have made it like their sole purpose. So in my mind, I was like, why not? Why not give it a shot? And I want the show to be entertaining, but also educational. And I think you'll eventually get sick just listening to me talk. (laughs) I would too. Um, but To make it more interesting, I'm going to be talking to some friends I've made along the way who also have that passion for vintage to help you learn more about it in general. So I really, really hope you're just as excited about this as I am. Um, And if not, if vintage isn't your thing, maybe if you have a friend who loves it, tell them about my podcast. I'd be so appreciative of you doing that. Um, if you're listening on the Apple Podcast app, please click the subscribe button. My show is also available on Spotify, Google Music, and I actually just got approved um, on Stitcher this morning, which is really exciting. I also have an Instagram for the podcast. It's um, at my best Vintage life. So if you're on Instagram, follow along there. I haven't put too much time into it yet, but I hope to soon. I, I figured having the podcast up and running was a little bit more important at the time. So in two weeks, I'm going to be featuring my first guest, and it is going to be the one and the only Art Bazzarcanian, My boss. And it's going to be a lot of art probably making fun of me, so if that sounds like a good time, you should probably listen in. Um, If you've been around Art and I outside of, like, work, you know that we're usually always kind of ragging on each other. So it's going to be a good time. Anyways, until then, stay safe and don't be basic. Bye, guys.